In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. You can be a wind in someone's sail or you can be an anchor in their tail. And, you know, I want to go through life. I want to be a wind in people's sail. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute. salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here, as usual, with my brother from another mother, co-host of this show, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing spectacular. Hey, Dale, I'm really excited today with our guest because this guy for sure has the most unique professional career of anyone on this podcast, probably any man I've ever met. This guy has the coolest career. I cannot wait to tell you about it. Guys, you need to hang on. Uh, you're going to be blown away. This is going to be so fun today. But hey, before we do, I want to tell you guys, head on over to our website, meninarena.org. The days are winding down to get a free copy of my bathroom book for men, the 365-day men's devotional. So head on over there, click on the free book button, take you right in, and uh, make sure you guys get that. We're going to be pulling that down in about two weeks. It'll be gone forever. So, Dale, you got a man work for me today. I do. You're you guessing or am I doing this thing? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with mission. Oh, God. Is that the really? man word? Did I get it? Did I get I, it? You did. Well, that's awesome. Because I got it because you are so vanilla. I am not vanilla. Well, yeah, I'm, you are I'm basic. You are vanilla basic. spice. Vanilla I, I, bean. Oh, are you a vanilla vanilla spice latte? <laughs> Gee, I'll tell you. Uh, what. Of course, I'm going to say mission. What else am I going to say? I know uh, where you get the things. Anyway, oh, it's so okay, good. Okay, I'll no, let I, you explain it. I'll let I'm you. I'm reading explain through it. this bio and I see this line. And I went, "That's it, man. That is what every man has to live their life by. If you don't have a mission, you're just coasting, man. You're just out there, just whatever. You don't have a, a purpose. You need to have a mission in life. And I read these words: mascot on a mission, living a life of influence and i'm like that's it right there and and i love it so that's my man where does mission so dale i don't want to put you on the spot buddy but what is what did you say your mission in life is oh man i i'm challenged by west stafford when he made that comment about every every uh time you have an interaction with the child 
is a chance to make a difference in their life and to be Jesus to them. And so my mission in life is anytime I have an interaction with somebody, I want them to feel like they matter. They're important. And when I die, I want to hear people say at their funeral that Dale made me feel like I was his best friend because he was so kind to me and shared Christ. So that's kind of my mission. I think that you're fulfilling that well. In fact, that is very close to our guest mission. He actually says that in his book. So really, really interesting. And so, no, I'm not, I'm dead serious. And so, uh, yeah. So, Hey, do you have a shout out today? Any hero stories we want to share? Yeah. You're going to like this. This is on the Apple app podcast app. And it says not for boys on the heading, not for boys, but men who want to be men. So that is from, Amish you or Amish you, I'm not sure, but you know who you are. Reach out to us. He at, must. <laughs> at info at meninthearena.org. And we want to send you some swag. We love that, man. He must be from Ohio, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> oh, man. That is awesome. Well, we sure appreciate that. And guys, hey, we want to hear, we, we appreciate you guys affirming us. But what we want to really hear is we want to hear about you and your hero stories. And so yeah. we want to hear what God is doing in your life. We believe in a man gets everyone wins. And man, we want to hear your story. Last night we had a Bible study and a guy was unpacking his story about coming to Christ through our ministry and his family come to Christ and all these things. It just was so encouraging. We want to hear those stories, guys. You are the hero in this. And uh, as we focus on the main hero, Jesus Christ, you're the hero that he's put in the, your family. So mm-hmm. I want to bring on our new guest on the uh, podcast today. I was sharing with him earlier. He sent me two books. It was the first time in my life that I've read a book and could feel the author smiling. So you're going to have a great time with this guy. This is uh, Dan Mears. He's 53 years old. He lives in Kansas City, Missouri, been married to his beautiful wife, Cameron, for 27 years. Now, guys, listen to this. Buckle up. Dan goes to work each day, like many of you, dressed in a suit, except that instead of wearing a tie with his suit, Dan wears a tail. Take that in for a second. You see, Dan is a professional mascot. Dan is an author, motivational speaker, and Hall of Fame mascot for the Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chief. He's been a mascot, listen to this, since 19... 86. Dan is known as the KC Wolf, the official mascot of the Kansas City Chiefs. He travels throughout the United States and the world, entertaining thousands of people, both in and out of costume. He is in high demand, not only as a mascot, but as a humorous and motivational speaker to audiences of all ages. Dan's enthusiasm, optimism, and love for life are contagious, and that makes Dan such an inspiration to those he meets. And I can sense it from the book I read. Dan, it's so great to have you on the show today. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Been looking forward to this. <laughs> it's going to be so fun, man. And you're smiling exactly like I thought you would. I just knew you'd be this guy. Well, I tell you, when I hopped on this call, this Zoom call, I didn't realize how good looking you two guys are. So, <laughs> oh, baby, we have a face for radio, right? When, when, when hey, Dan, you'll like this story uh, because you're a mascot. When people, uh, when I fly into places with my wife, People say, well, how do I know who you guys are? I go, it's easy. Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) (laughs) And trust me, I'm not the beauty. I am not the beauty. The vanilla Uh, guy. Hey, Dan. Yeah. And then I got vanilla spice over there. Yo, yo. Ice, ice, baby. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. Hey, Dan, why don't we start off the show and why don't you tell us your story, man? You've got a great story and just give us a little background so we can get to know you a little better. Yeah, well, I grew up in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, just outside of St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it was, um, uh, had parents that just a wonderful set of parents. They'd make sure we'd go to church and Sunday school every week. And, you know, I always tell folks, I'm a, you know, I knew Jesus a lot like I knew Michael Jordan. I read about Michael Jordan, hear about him, and saw his picture a lot. But back then, I did not know Michael Jordan, you know. And uh, But that changed for me when I was a senior in high school. That's when I went to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp in, in near St. Louis. And that's when the Lord got a hold of my life in a big way. And I went from being a religious guy to having a relationship with Jesus Christ and that right there completely changed me, you know, and so ever since oh, yeah. that, he's, uh, like you said, he's, he's put a smile on my face, put joy in my heart. And, you know, I just get the opportunity each day through this crazy career of mine to hopefully go out and share some, some smiles and laughs with people and hopefully, uh, be able to share with them where that joy comes from. It's not from being a mascot. It's from my relationship with Christ. And that's now how many kids do you have? I think it was a boy and a girl, right? I've got three kids. No, I've got girl bookends oh, and a boy in the middle. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot. I really appreciate your books because you have pictures in them. Yeah. And I'm able well, to track you guys and your missions trips and your various adventures. It's super cool. So, Dan, I've got a question for you. And I think a lot of our guys are wanting to know this. You have been, when I use the word professional, I realize that you were not a professional mascot in 86. You were a college mascot, but you've been a mascot since 1986. At, at what point in your life did you realize, hey, man, this is this is my deal. I'm going for it. Well, you know, what's interesting, I grew up and I, I loved sports. You know, in high school, I would I played baseball, basketball and football. And when I say played, I was on the team. You know, I was a I was basically yeah. a three sport bench warmer, you know, <laughs> and that's how I know God's got a sense of humor. because I you know, I was a three sport bench warmer in high school and then God turned around and he gave me a 31 year NFL career. So only God does stuff <laughs> like that. But, uh, but yeah, I went to college and one day I was sitting there reading the school newspaper and there was this article that said they're going to have tryouts to be Truman the Tiger. I went to the University of Missouri and I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting. So I went to this meeting and then I, I, uh, my best friend's like, you ought to do that. So I tried out. Sure enough, I got the job. And for four years, I ran around dressed up as Truman the Tiger. And uh, when I graduated from college, four years later, I went out. I got my first job working in professional baseball I dressed up in a bird outfit for the St. Louis Cardinals, a character called Fred Bird. And if you know, in professional baseball, they play 81 home games during the summertime. Professional football, I did, you know, I was in St. Louis for a while. I get a call from the Kansas City Chiefs. They said they were going to start up this new program. KC Wolf introduced this new character. And I, I didn't have to think or pray about it too long when I started to realize that I could go from doing 81 home games in the summertime to 10 home games during the fall and the winter. And uh, like I said, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but I knew that was a pretty good switch to make over to the NFL. And so I did. I came to Kansas City and uh, it's it's been great. You know, the Lord's just opened so many doors for me and, you know, people hear my occupation and they think, oh, you're a professional mascot. Well, Casey Wolf's what I do. 
you know, Casey Wolf's not who I am. Who I am first and yeah. foremost is I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And um, I've got this crazy platform that the Lord has given me to go out and to share my faith with others. And the chiefs have been very supportive of everything I do. Our, our uh, owners, the Hunt family are, are believers. And so oh. I get to go speak at churches and I speak at schools and uh, youth rallies and men's rallies. And, you know, that's what I love about the job. I'm just an evangelist with fur. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. so. So, a couple questions. I'm sure our guys are wanting to know. The first thing is this: What happens? So, you've got this football season. It's winding down. So your Chiefs are still in it. Yeah, they are. Is it? Is it, it, it I mean, is it going to be the old guy Brady? I mean, come on, who's going to be in this thing at the end? But, but what happens after? What happens after football is over for you? What? what how does the? How does Casey Wolf uh, interact? And what do you do as Casey Wolf? So to give you an idea, last year before the pandemic all hit, because pandemic has definitely affected the number of yeah. appearances that I do. But uh, the, during our Super Bowl year, we did over 500 appearances. And so we do birthday parties, wedding receptions, parades, uh, grocery store visits. This afternoon when I'm done with the podcast, I'm headed to a nursing home and since I can't go in the nursing home because of COVID, I basically will walk around the outside of the nursing home, tapping on the window and waving at the residents inside the window. So hopefully I, you know, not going to cause any heart attacks or stroke today. But, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking you're going to kill some old person. <laughs> but no, so, but it's fun. I mean, I never have the same day twice. And uh, I tell folks the thing I love about my job, I've avoided a real job for about 31 years. And at this point, <laughs> I think I'm going to try to just make a career out of it. But uh, Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. So, uh, what, so with COVID, how has that changed your performance during football games? Because you are you're you're up there and you have a bunch of cardboard signs now as faces well <laughs> typically like last year before covid uh you know i'd be down on the field and we'd be you know running around dancing around entertaining fans and um this year the nfl will not let cheerleaders and mascots on the field so if you watch an nfl game you'll notice there's not near as many people on the sidelines it's basically players and coaches and officials yeah and so Everything I do is up in the stands and I've got a couple of security guys that walk with me this year and make sure that if someone wants a picture, it's a socially distant picture. And it's definitely been a challenging year. You know, mascots, we're used to giving out hugs and high fives. And this year we're trying to stay six foot apart from everybody and, and uh, still take pictures and do our thing. So yeah, I was wondering about that. Well, I did notice they, that there are fans in the stands now. There weren't earlier in the season. Yes. At so least in, not in the, yeah. In Kansas City, we have definitely got reduced capacity because I think we, uh, you know, our stadium holds about 78,000. And this year, we've, I think we've been allowed to have like 16 to 17,000. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's definitely different. Traffic's not near as bad getting out. That is the one positive. <laughs> After a Chiefs game, I can get home quicker because the traffic is not as heavy. But I miss the other uh, 60,000 people that aren't there. 
Oh man, that's so, well, you know, you said earlier that you've been doing this for all of these years. You've had this long, what did you say? 31 year career in the NFL. This is my 31st so, season with the chiefs. Yes. Wow. Congratulations. Well, but that is not, but that has not been without injury. Somebody might say, Oh, he's a mascot. He's never going to get hurt. Well, you know what? Uh, that's not true. Why don't you tell us about the November uh, 23rd, 2013 event that that day that changed your life. And this is written in your book, wolves can't fly. So that'll give our listeners a hint. Yeah. yeah wolves can't fly. So tell us about that story. People are always like, that's kind of a strange title for a book, but uh, when you hear the story, you know why I called it uh, wolves can't fly. <laughs> Typically, before games, we do a, a, a skit of some sort uh, before the games. And our skits over the years kind of turned into stunts for a while. And one year, um, I, I, would, I ziplined into the stadium. And how that works is we hire a company that comes in, and they set up a zipline. The zipline attaches to the lights at the top of Arrowhead Stadium, stretches all the way across the football field to the lights on the other side of Arrowhead Stadium. And, uh, and what I do is I jump out of the lights, I zip line out across the field, and uh, the crowd loves it. I mean, it's, it's real dramatic and makes you look really cool in front of a lot of people. But how far, how far up was that zip line? Like 286 feet, I thought I read? Yeah, it's about 200, 280 to 290 feet. I didn't drop a ruler to find out, but yeah, it's a, it's a long <laughs> way. I do know that. And so, but we had done the zip line before and it worked great. So we were going to do it again, but we didn't want to do the same thing. We wanted to try to mix it up. So we decided I would bungee jump and then zip line into the stadium. So they hooked up the same thing, the zip line stretching all the way across the football field. They attached me to a bungee cord. So I'm supposed to jump out of the lights, fall about 20 feet, the bungee cord is supposed to catch me, bounce me back up, and then I'm going to zip line out over the field. And um, well, the day we, the day before we were supposed to do this stunt, I went up to Arrowhead to practice, and things did not go as planned because when I jumped out of the lights, because of the slack that was in the zip line, instead of falling 20 feet, I fell approximately 70 to 75 feet. And I hit the seats in the upper level of Arrowhead Stadium. I hit the seats so hard, I knocked two of the seats out of the concrete that day. But not only did I damage the seats, the wow. seats did a pretty good job on me, too. I, that day, I, I broke seven ribs. I collapsed my left lung. I shattered my tailbone, cracked my sacrum, the bone your tailbone attaches to, Got a big gash on the back of my left leg that required stitches. Got several units of blood because I'd lost a lot of blood after I'd hit the seats. But then my worst injury, I broke the uh, T12 vertebrae in my back. And the next oh. day I had surgery and they gave me these new titanium rods. I've got two titanium rods that now stabilize that part of my spine. But I ended up, I spent nine days in a hospital and then I was off work for six months doing therapy and rehab. And I tell people the thing I remember most is the night, um, the night that it happened, I was in the hospital bed. The doctor came into my hospital room. He told me all my injuries, explained how I was going to have surgery the next morning on my back. But as he was walking out of the room, he got to the door he turned around, and he looked at me, and I, I will never forget his words. He said, Mr. Mears, he said, I hope you realize today 
that you're a very lucky man. He said, if you fell 75 feet, he said, number one, you're lucky you're still alive. And number two, you're very lucky you're not paralyzed. And, you wow. know, that night in that hospital bed, I thought a lot about what that doctor said. I thought a lot about my life and, you know, I thought a lot about how I was choosing to live my life each day. And God, it's not a story I would have picked for myself. Uh, and I told that to God many times, you know, but I look back on it now and, you know, the, the Bible says that all things work together for good of those who love the Lord called according to his purpose. And I do believe that. And, um, and I think about what that doctor said that I'm lucky to be alive. And I, I don't believe I'm lucky to be alive. I do believe I'm blessed, you know, but I don't believe in luck. I don't even believe that what happened to me was an accident, you know, in the yeah, back of my yeah. Bible, I've got a quote and I've, I've had this written down for so many years, long before my, my bungee jump. But and the, the quote says this, that uh, there's no such thing as accidents. They're all just incidents in God's perfect plan for my life. And that's mm. what I do believe, you know, uh, wouldn't have picked that for myself, but that's what uh, that's, that's my story. And the Lord has allowed me to go out and take that story and share that at so many different groups, both, Christian churches and Christian groups, but also I do a lot of corporate speaking um, around the country. And I've been able to take that story because it's such a strange story to begin with. Number one, I've got a crazy occupation as a professional mascot, but not only am I a mascot, I'm also a failed bungee jump survivor. And there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of guys that get to say that right there. So it's kind of a small niche oh, I've got, but the Lord opens a lot of doors for me to share. Well, Dale, Dale, I should give you this book because you would love the part where he's going down the zip line, watching the trail of blood behind him and then pulling up underneath him. You would love that part because Dale loves blood so much. You know, he'll just probably pass out from reading it. Uh, well, hey, hey, you there's know, no women involved in planning this thing. <laughs> well, I was wondering about that. I'm like, who's the mathematician who said, try this bungee cord? <laughs> there's, it sounds like a situation where the guy's, all right, hold my beer. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> I mean, it's like, what is, I mean, I, I, I guess you had to work through some forgiveness with the bungee cord selector. <laughs> uh, I, I tell people, if you're ever going to bungee jump, my advice to you is be the second guy to jump. Never be the first guy. Find out. <laughs> Find out what happens to the first guy before you go taking the oh leap. <laughs> oh, that's well, you know, that's like when I with Dale, I go, Dale, let's have a hitting contest. Who can hit the lightest? You go first. <laughs> he always wins. He always wins. Hey, uh, <laughs> oh man. So are you fully uh are you fully uh able to function as a mascot? Can you jump off and do different things or are you limited now? I still, well, I, and I asked my doctor that I said, okay, so what can I do? Is there anything? He says, well, your titanium rods, those are not going to break. He said, those are, those are good and solid. He said, uh, you can do whatever you, whatever your pain tolerance will allow you to do. And, and I've got a pretty high pain tolerance. So I, I, uh, I like to have fun. Sometimes it hurts, but you know, they make this stuff called ibuprofen. I don't know if you guys know what that stuff is, but it comes in handy when you're a, I'm now a 54 year old, by the way, I had a birthday about a week ago. So I, uh, when you're a 54 year old mascot, you use that ibuprofen stuff every now and then. Oh man. Well, I, I'm sure you're still jumping. I, I'm sure that you're, uh, 
living life to the fullest because everything about your book says that. So I want to dive into your book, Mascot on a Mission. This book was written in 2019. The subtitle is Living a Life of Influence, which is what you do and which is what you are doing. And I did have some questions about that book that I thought were uh, really good. And I wanted to just run some things by you. And so why, why for, our, you know what, uh, Dan, our guys listening to this, most of our people are men. They're a 30 year old to 45 years old. They're driving to work. They're they, the Kansas, uh, a Kansas city, Missouri guy, Kansas guy that really fits our prototypical guy. He's a hardworking guy. You know, most of these guys are educated well beyond high school, uh, you know, but the problem with these guys is they're living in this stress bubble of life, raising their kids. And so it's easy while you're in the bubble to be blurred to your mission. So I thought this was a very appropriate topic for today. Why is knowing your mission so important to a man who follows Jesus? I'll tell you what, for me, it just, when I get out of bed, it, it helps me know what I'm, you know, what's important for the day. What am I, you know, I only get so much time, you know, I've got so much time and I've got so much energy in life and I want to use it for the things that are important. You know, um, I once heard that if you ask a man his occupation, you find out how he pays his bills. You ask a man his preoccupation, then you'll discover the passion of his life. Well, my occupation is mascot. That's how I pay my bills. But my preoccupation, what I am passionate about and what I want to be investing my life in is basically three things. Number one is my faith. Number two is my family. And number three is just using my life to make a positive impact in this world that I live in. And, you know, as men, and I'm guilty of it because I, I, and I still struggle with this at times, where sometimes we'll get so busy and so wrapped up in, uh, in our work or in all the activities we've got going on that it's really easy to lose focus. And so I've got a little quote and I keep it on my desk at Arrowhead and I've also got it taped to my bathroom mirror that says, uh, the urgent things in life are seldom important. The important things in life are seldom urgent. And, you know, as a man, I want to be living my life for the things that are important because I, one of the things that I've learned uh, the hard way, unfortunately, at times is that when I'm living for the urgent things, uh, oftentimes there, I will have regret in life, but if I'm living for the important things, um, you know, when I get to the end of my life, if my focus has been on the important things in life, then I'm not going to look back with regret. I'm going to look back knowing that, uh, that I'd lived the way God called me to live my life. And so, and that is, yeah, that's really powerful. Difficult. Well, and it's powerful. You, when you were speaking, you remind me of this little teeny booklet called Tyranny of the Urgent yes. by Alex Hummel. Dale, we should link this up to guys to get it. I bet it doesn't cost more than a dollar. And in that book, he talks about that. He says, basically, the urgent items are those, quote, priorities that that kind of leap upon us like a, a mean wolf, right? And try to, you know, and so they're, they're, they're like, oh, you got to do this now. But the a man who is values driven, that's a man who's driven by the important things in life. And so that is so important. And I really appreciated what you said about it's not my occupation that helps people understand my passion. It's my preoccupation. And so how does a man discover his passion? In your book, you wrote this, you asked this question. You said, have you discovered your passion? So how does a man do that? How does it, can you unpack that? Like, 
if a guy came to you and said, Hey, uh, hey, Dan, how do I understand and learn what my passion is? What, what were some things you'd tell them? What would, what would be some action items you'd walk them through? You know, I think for, for me, it's not like I, you know, gave my life to Christ and all of a sudden I knew what my passion was. I got out there and I started to work with a youth group for a while. And then I, I, I spent a few years, I worked part-time as the men's pastor at my church and worked with men and just through those experiences, I think part of it, you know what your spirit, you start to realize what your spiritual gifts are, and then you start to realize what you truly have a heart for, and um, and then you start to, you know, you slowly just start to realize, you know what, I'm good at this, I enjoy this, and God just kind of starts opening doors for you, and that's what happened in my life, you know, I even with this mascot thing, I did, I'm like, okay, so I'm, I must be pretty good at this because they're starting to pay me to act like an idiot in a costume. So I must be okay at doing this. But I, um, I started to get opportunities to go out and to speak to youth groups. And then I started to speak to men's groups. And, and I started to realize, you know what, I kind of enjoy this public speaking stuff. And that's, you know, if you enjoy public speaking, you know something strange about you because nobody typically likes that a lot. And, uh, but I started to realize, you know what, I'm, I am kind of passionate about going out and helping folks. And, and, um, and then, you know, after I got hurt, one of the, you know, I wrote that book and that's, I look back on that. I would have never written a book if I would have never gotten hurt because I didn't have time. But all of a sudden I got hurt, uh, had six months off work. And one of the things I learned in a hurry is that there's nothing good on daytime television. So I thought there's going to be a better <laughs> use of my time. So I, I started to write this book and, uh, and then all the money we make off these book sales, we give it away to missions and ministries. Well, one of the things we started to support were orphanages around the world. And wow. uh, so I'm like, why not take my Casey Wolf costume, start traveling to some of these orphanages and, um, you know, kids in orphanages over in India and Africa, they have no clue as to who the Kansas City Chiefs are. They have no idea who Casey Wolf is. But you know what? If you show up in a village in Africa in a seven-foot wolf outfit, you're going to attract attention, trust me. And, and <laughs> it's, it's been so much fun because I'll go to these villages or, you know, these orphanages and I run around in a costume. I can communicate with kids in any language in a wolf outfit. Now, once I take the costume off, there's usually an interpreter there who will help me uh, share my testimony. And what I do is I share the gospel with kids. And all that to say is, you know, sometimes I think we just got to get out and start serving. And when you start serving, you start to realize, okay, this is what I am passionate about. This is what I enjoy doing. And um, I'm convinced God wants us to, to be joyful in our serving. You know, he doesn't, um, he doesn't want us to be miserable. You know, I would not be good working in the baby department at the church at my house or in my, my church. <laughs> that would not be, I'm called to working with older kids, not babies. And so, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think you just, uh, and then pray about it. I mean, God wants to hear our prayers. He wants to answer our prayers and he doesn't want us to walk through life clueless as to what we need to be doing. He wants us to give us direction and purpose and, and, and meaningful life. And so, so that's what I've learned. And, you know, my pastor likes to say this, and I truly believe this too, that 
you never live life abundantly until you learn to live life obediently. And I think when we just start living obedient lives, when we start making up our minds, you know what, this is not easy, but I am going to follow Christ the best I know how God starts to starts to show us what our passions are, what our purpose is. And he starts opening doors for us. That's really powerful. I want to say that again. You said you never live life abundantly until you live life obediently. And I think that's so important that guys who are saying they follow Jesus do what the Bible says. Now, statistics are showing that guys aren't doing that anymore, but we need guys need to do guys. Listen up, man. If the Bible says it, that settles it. The Bible that is the Bible that is uh, used up the Bible that is wrecked. The Bible that is torn up belongs to the man who is not. So guys, you got to get in the word. And so one more thing, uh, Dan, on your, your passion thing, you, you, I wrote down some notes here and I wrote down the word shape that guys need to know the fourth, the five things, their spiritual gifts, S their heart, uh, which is, you know, their, their, which is their passion H their abilities, a, their personality P and their experiences E and those things will move a guy along as he wants to learn what his passion is. And so any more thoughts on passion? I'll tell you what, and there's a great book out there called on shape. And, uh, and I'm, I don't know that I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but it is a great book. And it, it also helped me to, um, kind of understand. And, you know, it, it, it was interesting as you were talking, I was thinking mascots, we're not the sharpest crayons in the box. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I, I am not the brightest guy you've had on this podcast. Trust me. But what I love about God is, is I read that great big book that he has given us his word, the Bible, he simplifies it. He, he says, okay, Dan, let me, let me dumb this down for you. So even a mascot can understand this. You got two jobs here. Number one, love God. Number two, love others. That's, that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to love God. I'm called to love other people. And, you know, at, and going back to what you said, Dale, at the end of my life, when, when people are standing around at my funeral, um, I could, I really couldn't care less if they know that I was in the mascot hall of fame. I could care less if they know how many years I spent as a mascot for the chiefs, you know, cause I don't want to be remembered for what I did. How I hope to be remembered is for who I was, you know? And if the only thing yeah. people say about me on the day of my funeral is that I love the Lord and I love people, I'm good with that. Okay. All the other stuff is just fluff. That's, that's what I want to be remembered for. That's so powerful, man. Hey, while you're talking, I pulled off my bookshelf, Rick, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. And he's the one who started talking about shape for the first time. I would give him credit for that. And then uh, Eric Reese wrote a book called Shape. So guys, those are two resources for you. But we know a lot of you guys don't read. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do an equipping episode, 10-minute episode, just on understanding your spiritual shape. So if you don't like to read, we're going to help you out. If you do like to read, those are two great resources. And so, Hey, I want you to unpack a question that you ask men in your book. And here, here's the question, Dan. And I think this is so appropriate and it's so important as a man understands his passion, right? For me, that's the things that wreck me, the things that uh, make me angry, the things that I cry about, the things that make me sing, the things that make me come alive. But in the book, you wrote this, What kind of life story are you writing? 
what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? We've already talked about that, right? How can you become more intentional to ensure your legacy becomes your reality? So can you walk us through that a little bit more? You know, I, I, um, anybody that knows me very well knows I have a coin in my pocket that says, that says life is like a coin. You get to spend it any way you wish, but you're only going to spend it one time. So spend it wisely. And I love that coin because it reminds me that every day I get to make choices, right? Every day I get to choose how I'm going to live my life. You know, I'm the one today, once again, is we'll decide how I'm going to spend my coin. And, you know, um, when I'm, when I'm making godly choices, living the way God tells me to live my life, that's when my life is making an impact. That's when I am, I'm having a, um, that's when I can have an influence in the lives of other people. And, uh, and go back to your question again. Tell me your question one more time. I got sidetracked. Yeah, no problem. No, no, no. That was good, man. That was really good. No, you just asked, I'm going to go back to your question. Your question was what kind of life story you're writing. This is in your book. What would you like right. people to say about you at your funeral? How can you become more intentional to ensure that your legacy becomes a reality? So what would you say to these guys? Like, these guys are going, man, I'm like in the middle of raising my kids and my wife. I can barely, I can barely see tomorrow in front of me, let alone my life. How would you encourage those guys? You know, I, I would just say just being consistent. You know, sometimes you get so many things going on in life. And I had three kids. I am an empty nester now. My life has gotten significantly easier since. But I remember those <laughs> days. My kids were in school. My kids were in church activities. My kids were playing sports. My uh, They played club volleyball. They played competitive baseball. All these things. And you're just going, going, going. And You'd fall in bed at night, just exhausted, and you're like, "Lord, am I? Is I? I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to survive, and yeah. I'm. I'm not. It's like you're not even trying to plan. All you're trying to do is survive. You're just trying to keep your head above water. And yep. uh, but I, I so remember those days. And on those days, I'm like, okay, just be consistent. Just be faithful. You're called to love your kids. You're called to love your wife. You're called to love the Lord. And sometimes I think part of what my kids learn from me is that even when life is so crazy busy, they could see dad was having his quiet time in the morning. You know, they could see that he'd take time to sit on the couch with mom for 10 minutes and just talk about how the day was going. And it, I'm, I'm convinced it's the little things like that. And, um, you know, I've, uh, I, I do remember those days, though, how challenging they were. And, and, uh, and I realize now that my kids, you know, I'm, I'm 54 now. So my kids, I've got one, my son got married in October. My oldest daughter just got engaged on New Year's Eve. And so they're starting... Oh, cool here soon to get into those years that I just came out of. And it's just a reminder that as a dad, I want to be there to support them. I want to be there to help them in any way. And uh, hopefully I've set a good example just by the way I've, I've chosen to live my life. But uh, it's like you said, it's not easy. And, you know, it's just 
waking up and getting down on my knees and saying, Lord, I'm exhausted. I just got, I just got six hours of sleep and I'm still tired. I wish I could get six more, but you know what? I need to get up. I need to get to work. And so some days it's just like, Lord, you promised me strength for today. Didn't promise me strength for tomorrow. You promised me strength for today. So I'm going to claim that promise. And the thing I've learned is that God's principles and God's promises, they, they never fail. They're always reliable. So, yeah, that's so I really appreciate. So I'm 55. I just turned 55 last month. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, we our ministry is so passionate about helping these guys in the stress bubble. We call them our men in the arena. They're in the arena, you know, where you and I, our kids are nesters, we're empty nesters. But that time period of my life was so exhausting and so draining. And, you know, we age during that series, that time of life, more than our single buddies do that never got married. Right. Because it's so hard. And I think for me, I look back and I go, man, we have to go back and help these guys. We have to go back and tell them, here's how we got through it. I am a little alarmed at so many men's ministries around the world that are going, we, these young millennials, blah, blah, blah. I go, hey, if you would target them, target them, target these guys. They need your help. Stop doing the same vanilla men's Bible studies and go after these guys and help them. But, you know, it's really easy, Dan, to, to get in the bubble and, and, and see life as a half-empty glass. It's really easy to get negative. It's really easy to get... Uh, to just view life from a dark lens. But I love what you wrote in your book, man. When I was a little kid, I got to confess this thing, man. My mom as a little kid gave me a Winnie the Pooh. Man, I love that doll. I love that guy. My mom actually had to stitch new eyeballs on him with buttons because I ruined them, you know, from like holding them, I guess. I love that Winnie the Pooh. But I never could understand, I could never understand Eeyore. <laughs> that guy was so negative. In your book, you said this. You said, would your family or friends say you're more like Tigger or Eeyore? Do you need to make any changes? So how it, let's walk, let's unpack that for this guy in the stress bubble who's just worn out. Let me get to say this, because this is one thing I, I was going to mention a while ago. And, uh, but one of the things that really, really helped me during that, that time when things were just crazy was I got with a group of men that we meet once a week and we we've done this for 28 years now uh 29 i think now where we get up and we hold each other accountable it's our accountability group we meet meet once a week yeah my buddy rod hanley i think you've had him on this show before and so but you know what there's something about having other men who are going through the exact same thing you're going through that that helps, you know, and it's just being able to share with, with other men, Hey, here's what my kid did this week. And you'd be like, Oh, good grief. Okay. Your kids do that too. Good. That's, (laughs) it's kind of like our small group Bible study. We'd, We'd get together as parents and we'd start talking about things our kids did and they weren't exactly Christian things. We're like, wait, we've been trying to raise you guys in church and we've taught you you're supposed to love each other and you're supposed to make good choices. And if you've got kids, you know, that's not always the case. Sometimes they do something and you're like, what in the world were you thinking? And yes. But there's just something about being with other men and hearing that, hey, their kid did something stupid too that wasn't exactly Christ honoring that makes me realize, okay, this is a battle. Satan is out to get our kids. Satan is out 
Satan's out to kill, steal, and destroy, you know? Yes, and yes. Christ has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, if I get those two choices, I want the abundant life, okay? And so I want to be doing everything I can to um, prepare myself for this battle. And if I've got some battle buddies in this with me, my accountability group, I know those guys are praying for me. I know that if something comes up and I need somebody to just sit down and talk to, um, I know those guys are there for me. And that just means so much to me because so often as men, you know, so often we try to beat the Lone Ranger. We try to do this. We try to put ourselves on an island and, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Well, listen, fellas, that doesn't work. <laughs> Not long term. You might be able to suck it up and do it for for a short time. But if you want to be in this for the long term and and uh, you got to surround yourself with other godly men who love the Lord, who who love their, you know, their spouse, love their their wife, their kids. And, uh, you know, you need help, you know, life's a team sport. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it truly is. And so, well, you know, I'm going to go back to your earlier statement, the abundant life results from the obedient life, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus said, this is how they will know John 13, 34, 35. This is how they will know you're my disciples that you love one another. You know, we had an interview uh, that just went live a couple weeks ago with Tom Wilson, who's the CEO of better man, Robert Lewis. Mm -hmm. And they surveyed 1,500 American men, 1,000 practicing Christians, and the rest were not practicing Christians. And they compared the two groups. And the overwhelming statistic that was just massive in my mind was that men who have a confidant or an older man to be a mentor have twice as more, twice as much satisfaction in life than those who don't. And so, man, we just have to get guys around us. You called them battle buddies. We have to get those guys around us. And so that's so important, guys. You need to find a group of men that you need to plug into. And so, but, you know, the, ultimately, as you were saying, it's a choice. Uh, it's a choice. We get up in the morning. It's a choice. Uh, in your book, you talk about choices. And you said the choices we make each day determine our character and our destiny. The choices you make each day write your life's story. When you stop to think about it, each of us is authoring a life story. Every day adds another sentence to our story. That's really powerful to me. And you continue, since you are the author of your story, you get to decide each day whether your sentence will end with a period, question mark, or an exclamation point. And I go back to John 1930. Jesus ended his life with an exclamation mark, you know? And, and I think that is so good because what I'm hearing you say here, and I'm going to let you unpack this is that we have a choice how each day will finish, comma, ellipsis, period, exclamation point, and those days compounded over a lifetime will be the ultimate punctuation mark we leave on life. Can you unpack that further? Yeah, I tell you, um, when my kids were in elementary school, I every now and then I'd go up there to pick them up, and in the office of the elementary school, there was this quote, and it, it was a poster that hung on the wall, and you, you may have heard this before, but it, when I would read this poster, it always reminded me that even those small choices that I make every day really are important because here's what the poster said. And it said, guard your thoughts because they become your words. Guard your words. They become your actions. Guard your actions. They become your habits. Guard your habits. 
They become your character, guard your character, because it becomes your destiny. And it just reminded me that it all starts with my thoughts. How, you know, yeah. and it, it, which seems like such a small thing, but it ultimately, our thoughts ultimately down the line will turn into our character and our destiny. You know, I, I share that when I go out and I speak to groups that, that your destiny in life, it's not determined by chance. Your destiny is determined by choice. The choices we make every day are ultimately what is writing our life story. And like you said, that every one of us, we're writing a life story and every day is another sentence. And so uh, once again, today, as I head out into this world to live my life, you know, I want to live a life that ends with an exclamation point today. You know, like you said, that's how Jesus lived his life. And that's how I hope to live my life as well. So, and, and just to kind of unpack that too, you know, it's real easy I tell this to my wife, I want us to live our lives by design and not by default. I've, I heard that one uh, time that you can live life by design or you can live life by default. I want to live my life by design, you know, because um, when I live by default, I default to selfishness. I default to laziness, I, you know, and that's not the that's not the guy I want to be. That's not the guy I want to be remembered for. So I want to live my life by default. It's a whole lot easier to get home from work, sit down on a couch and start watching ESPN than it is for me to keep the TV turned off, go in, sit down with my wife and ask her how her day went. So, um, so but I, you I said you'd rather live your life by design. You'd rather live your life by default. Oh, okay. Design. I couldn't think of that second D. So you want to live your life by design and not default. You want to live your life by choice and not versus chance, not, not by chance. That's so powerful. And you know, when you're that quote that you, you threw out there earlier is on our, our kitchen wall. <clears throat> and I believe it's a quote from Stephen Covey and Stephen Covey and seven habits of highly effective people. And that is just so true because our choices compounded over a lifetime equal our destiny. And so guys, if you want to finish your life strong, finish today with an exclamation mark and then finish tomorrow with an exclamation mark and then repeat it. And that becomes your, that becomes your design and that becomes your choice and that becomes your destiny. So uh, I want to end on this. I, I can't believe we're already out of time. I've had so much fun. I got to fly out to Kansas and hang out with you and Rod Handley sometime. I think that'd be hey, a real fun day. Anytime. Uh, hey man, I'm excited. I, I, I can, my wife's a flight attendant, so I can just zip on over there anytime. So all I, all I want is somebody to cook something for me. <laughs> hey, we'll take you out for but, barbecue. That's what we're known for here in Kansas city. You know what? I was out there in St. Louis and I went to a honey, what's it called? It was a barbecue place. Oh man. Honey fire or something. Fire, sugar, fire, sugar, fire, sugar, fire. Yep. Oh man. That's, we don't have that out here in Oregon. So, Hey, I want to close on this quote from you, man. This, this really says it all. And, and Dale, I think you'll resonate because your mission and Dan's are very similar. Dan, I don't know if this is your actual physical mission, but when I read this, I highlighted this as your mission. And you said this, whether or not I'm dressed in a costume, I want people to walk away from an encounter with me saying, Dan is a very kind man. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Dan, we live in a world where we want to self-promote. We want to be affirmed by other people. And uh, I struggle with that. Uh, many of us do. But one of the quotes I heard years ago, and I just want you to unpack this final thought, was this, when you leave your conversation with another person, 
are they thinking about how awesome you are or how awesome they are? And so I hear you saying that your goal when you leave a conversation is to have that person you were speaking to walk away going, man, I'm awesome. I'm a cool dude. Thanks. Thank you, Dan, for making me think I'm awesome. Can you unpack it? I, I tell you what, my mom taught me a long, long time ago. You don't toot <laughs> your own horn. I don't know if that's in the Bible. I don't think it is. I think that's <laughs> mom's uh, version of the Bible, but she said, you don't toot your own horn in life. And I heard this too. I don't, uh, anything that sounds intelligent that comes out of my mouth probably came from somebody else. And I just happened to remember it, but I had a buddy of mine once say that you can, uh, you can be a wind in someone's sail, or you can be an anchor in their tail. And, you know, I want to go through life. I want to be a wind in people's sail. Well, you, by doing that, you got to be encouraging others. People, yeah, I've got a cool job, but you know what? I don't want to be out promoting myself, you know, uh, because what makes me cool is Jesus. <laughs> and so yeah, I want yeah, to be yeah. sharing him with others. And that's what makes my life attractive at the end of the day. You know, I, you know, yeah, I got a cool job. It's fun. I'll get to go to the AFC championship game this weekend. I hope we win. I hope we win another Super Bowl. And I hope I get another one of them cool Super Bowl rings. Yeah, that's great and all. You know what? At the end of the day, you know, 30 years from now, when I'm when they're putting me in the ground, my kids are going to be fighting over a Super Bowl ring. So I'm going to have to win at least two more. Or I'm going to give <laughs> I tell them, you fight over my Super Bowl ring, I'm going to give it to your wife's or my wife's next husband. So <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I love it. But no, it's uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just want to uh, be encouraging others, not constantly trying to promote self and. You know, I'm, let me close with this, another quote, and I'm a big quote guy, but uh, this quote, it, it's another one that hangs in my bathroom mirror, but it says this, it says, this is the beginning of a brand new day. God's given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or I can use it for good, but what I do today is important because I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. When tomorrow Ooh. comes, this day is going to be gone forever leaving in its place something that I've traded for it. I want it to be gain and not loss, good and not evil, success and not failure, in order that I shall not regret the price I paid for it. And, you know, once again, I love that quote because it's a reminder that today I'm the one that, today is God's gift to me. You know, today I get to choose how I'm going to live my life again. And, you know, my goal, once again, is just to go out and hopefully uh, share the light and the love of Christ with others. Cause at the end of the day, that's what ultimately matters anyway. Yeah. That's so powerful, man. I mean, I, I heard somebody say one time that yesterday is the past today is a gift and that's why they call it the present. Yep. And so, and so, and also I do have a Bible verse for you. Jesus said the humble will be exalted and the exalted will be humbled. And so I think that's really important for us to realize as men who are on a mission. And so guys, thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much, Dan, for coming on. If these guys want to learn more about mission uh, and, and hear your story in detail, how can they get a hold of one of your books? Yeah, if you go to danmears.org, and Mears has two E's in it, M-E-E-R-S, but it's danmears.org. And you can learn about my speaking. You can learn about books. And like I said, all the all the money we make off book sales, we're just giving it away to missions and ministries and orphanages and homeless shelters. And it's a, it's a rewarding way to live life. I do know that. 
man, that's, that's so cool, man. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on this show today. Sure. Appreciate your wisdom, your advice. Sure. Appreciate your steadfastness in being a man on mission. And so guys, Hey, let's get our boots on the ground. What's the next thing that we can do to become a man on mission? And I know we sound like a broken record. I'm just going to keep saying it. I know Dan is plugged into our friend Rod Hanley and, and his organization character that counts. He mentioned being in an accountability group. I'm assuming Dan uh, that Rod's in that group with you, but uh, guys, listen, you have to get into a group. You have to get into a group. So get into a group, be, uh, uh, be watching our website. We've got an exciting new program coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that'll help you get into a group, but guys, you got to get into a group. So thanks so much, Dan, for coming on the show. Sure. Appreciate you, man. And I'll, I'm not sure I'm going to root for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I sure will root for their mascot. <laughs> I appreciate that. Go Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Dale, bring us home, buddy. Yeah, guys, we want you to go on over to minintherena.org and get your free book while you still can. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.